0: Ladies and gentlemen, this picture contains themes which under no circumstance should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. Welcome back to Caustic Content, and this is the show where Adam Myros and I try to torture one another by trying to find the absolute worst thing humanly possible. ...on any available streaming service, which usually tends to be Amazon, because you can dump anything you want in there. Uh, but yeah, we just gotta go back and forth and uh, with our dueling shit movies, and only one emerges as the shit champion. And, uh, Myros, how you doing today? I'm doing alright, Steve. We had a bit of a
1: scare with this Amazon thing. There's all this uh, scuttlebutt that they're going to start curating their content.
0: Yeah, I I don't believe that for a second. (laughs) Not for a single second. (laughs) Although, Lord knows they should. Now, we've had our our theories about how the process works, and and really our theory was you can just upload anything you want. Like, I could just, you know, spin my dick around like a windmill, upload it to Amazon, and it would, in fact, be considered a movie. Uh, But... It turns out there's a little bit more to the process than that. And the reason I found out is because you may remember on our last Caustic Content episode, we did a Stephen Grew throwdown of of sorts where we had two Stephen Grew movies head-to-head. And uh, it, was, it was a fun exercise because Grew's gotten a, a little bit of press lately. There's a documentary that's been released called The Insufferable Grew. And we, we were able to talk about his movies, but also about him as uh, you know, kind of an idiosyncratic, low-budget filmmaker. And where he fits into this new wave of, of, you know, just straight-to-video streaming filmmakers. And it turns out that Gru is a man who, uh, he's, he's got his, his ear to the internet, baby, because he heard us. And he actually reached out to me on facebook believe it or not he found me on facebook and sent me a message and said that he wanted to talk and i assumed that he was just going to yell at me and he did not yell at me we actually had a really nice like 90 minute long conversation <laughs> about his movies and about what he thought of our show and a couple of really interesting things came out of that first of all i asked him point blank i'm like okay so like what's the process all of this this amazon nonsense and apparently you can upload anything that you want but the only caveat is you have to provide closed captions for any film that you provide (laughs) which seems like a really bizarre caveat but that's that's pretty much it and then in addition to that there is some restrictions on self-promotion like you can't shout out a website or something and and that's I, I guess they scan for that and look for that and, and, and try to address that any way that they can, but uh, I'm sure there's ways around that too. But those are really the only two rules, which explains why there is so much on Prime and uh, even some things that shouldn't be there because people don't own the rights, but hey, that's that's how it goes. Uh, in addition to that, Stephen Grew, he he talked to me and he addressed some of the criticisms that we had of his films. And first, he was happy because there was another podcast that recently did uh, his what, – what is – oh, gosh, why am I blanking on this one? It's his most famous one, um, uh, Unexpected yeah. Race. I believe they the did Unexpected, Unexpected, Unexpected Race. Race. Yeah, yeah so this, this other podcast did Unexpected Race, and it, they did one of those podcasts where it's basically like a second-by-second second breakdown just, you know uh, – <laughs> death by a thousand paper cuts to Stephen Grew, which that's not what we're about. Uh, Also, who wants to do that? Oh, gosh, that just sounds exhausting. But anyways, he he was a little, uh, you know, not exactly pleased with our criticism of of some of his films, but he did concede that, uh, you know, the artifact may be a little too long, given what it is and how it was shot over the course of a day. And he told me that, like, every Halloween, him and his friends get together and tries to he tries to make a movie uh, when they can. And in this instance, yeah, it was Halloween, and they just wanted to shoot this movie, so everything was shot over the course of a day, and that is why it is very... Add Libby and why, you know, a lot of the times you and I, Myros, we were like, I don't think anybody was actually running the camera. And that is, in fact, true. He confirmed that, that <laughs> any shot that Stephen Grew is in, no one's actually behind the camera. <laughs> uh, but also, also, you know, our biggest complaint was this, this goes on for a really long time. And also the the food in the beginning that he that they burn is gross. And he said, "Yeah, that was gross." And also, you're right; it's it's too long. So he actually, if you watch the artifact now, I don't know if you've been following along, dear listeners, but if you go watch the artifact now, the version that we watched isn't up there. Uh, Stephen Grew told me that he reedited the film and reuploaded it in a sh- as a shorter version. So there is a shorter. Version, uh, possibly a better version of the artifact that now exists on Amazon. So, for anyone who says that you know critics are just assholes and you know you guys you're you're not really doing anything of of cultural value, you gotta you gotta be the change you want to see in the world, Myros. That's that's what I feel like we try to do.
1: We are making a real difference out there.
0: Uh. We are, but yeah, Stephen grew really interesting guy, uh, really nice guy. Uh, kind of, you know, surprising to me because I, I legit thought. I guess if I was a dick to him on the phone, he probably would have been a jerk to me, but uh, rightfully so. But no, he's he's a really he's a really nice dude. So I think I'm going to try and wrangle an interview that we can kind of attach to a future episode. So I'm going to reach out to Mr. Grew and see if we can work something out because he's got a lot of interesting things to say about his films, about filmmaking in general, and uh, yeah, just all the stuff that's been going on in his life. Yeah, I
1: I think we should do that. I, I'd still like to kind of get the rest of the crew involved and do a proper opvac cast when his uh, his big remake of that uh, unexpected race does does come out. Um, and yeah, I, I think it'd be great to to get an interview out there for the people. And uh, now that we've made contact, I'm fairly confident we can make that happen for you. Dear listeners, and uh, we're also going to reach out to Scott Christofferson and see if there's any interest in an interview on that end as well.
0: So, oh, hopefully yeah, now, we'll- Scott, Scott Christofferson, he's he's the maker of the documentary about Stephen Grew, correct, which correct, is called yeah. The Insufferable Grew. And originally it was titled The Magic of Grew. Uh, and Stephen Grew told me that he's he's trying to, like, wrangle his own version of it under that title instead of the Insufferable Grew.
1: Well, once again. If we can get any of this footage, we'll be happy to cover it. And, uh, you know, we might have uh, painted Gru as an egomaniacal Mormon gnome man, but, uh, you know, it's all in love here. We're not filmmakers, uh, and we we get a great deal of enjoyment out of all this stuff, and I'm always fascinated to hear from these people. And, uh, yeah, it'll be
0: great to uh, get that interview up for you folks. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well... This week, I, I don't know if I really got a lot of enjoyment out of what we watched, but I certainly got a lot of, of boredom.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a little strong. I, I think we watched one of the better movies we've done for this podcast, which is I, the lowest I, possible bar. But yeah, it's,
0: it's a pretty low bar. Uh, I mean, we, I, I don't know. It's One of the movies we watched, It's it's not from a technical or affordable standpoint it's not one of the most accomplished works we've watched but um it kind of semi functions so yeah, and that's i guess
1: it. it's it also doesn't like cross the threshold into good bad so it's kind of a hard hard thing to recommend to folks but it's yeah uh, it's it's a tough one it's, it's a tough one uh, it has its charms it's not the worst thing i've seen by any stretch of the imagination but I don't think we should start there. I think we should start with a movie that is a Gordian knot.
0: (laughs) I I can't fucking (laughs) solve the goddamn thing. I I, I can't understand. I don't understand this movie. And this is one where, you know, again, I certainly don't want to recommend anyone spend, you know, 90 minutes, two hours, however long it is, watching this uh, 10 years. That's what it felt like. But at the same time, I almost want to force people at gunpoint to watch it because I don't understand it, and I need someone to work this out for me. And I I mean, you and I combined, we've watched thousands and thousands of movies, and we've written about movies, and we've talked about movies on podcasts. Like, this is our shit, and I still don't know what this movie is about, and it is Mountain Devil is the name of this film, and... and before I, I deep- can't even, I, I, I can't, I just can't. What?
1: Before we dig too deep, let's go over uh, our process for selecting these films. Uh, we are only allowed to use what the streaming service provides. Uh, we're fortunate enough to receive a trailer for Mountain Devil. It, it wasn't very representative, but uh, no. it, it did exist. I thought this was going to be a very different type of movie. Uh, an equally bad movie, perhaps, but not. It's not what I thought it would be. Um, we also have a no found footage rule. This, uh, this has uh, this kind of it dances on the line a little.
0: <laughs> it, it's yeah. I mean, it's we watched that other movie, that mockumentary about the vampire people, and that one kind of you know smudges the line a little bit between found footage and not found footage. But I guess this one is. Also, in that vein, but it's not a mockumentary. It's kind of a faux documentary, or maybe it's partially a real documentary. I, I don't know. Right. I And this I, is the I problem with Mountain <laughs> Devil. <laughs> the
1: thing with the no found footage rule is is we
0: endeavor not to
1: choose found footage movies because they're all the same movie, essentially, especially when you get into the, the low budget dregs. Uh, they all tend to be virtually identical films about... Ghost Hunters uh, staying someplace overnight. Uh, but this movie, there was really nothing to indicate that it would even incorporate such elements. So uh, that's bound to happen on occasion. Yeah. Uh, slip up every once in a while. Yeah, we also have a Godfrey Ho clause, which is to say that we cannot choose the same director multiple times because Godfrey Ho has directed approximately 500 movies that are identical and could compete in. Uh, head-to-head with virtually anything we'd choose uh, any given week and win, so we can't have that happening. That's just no fun. Yeah, uh, I agree. So, unfortunately, Ryan Cavilline will not be featured on this podcast again. But Really uh, a shame. <laughs> it's an absolute shame. And we also have to avoid anything that either of us have previously seen. Uh, that's a given. We we want to be surprised going into these. Uh, yeah. Can't stack that deck. Uh, and last but not least, we have a tentative rule. Uh, no further evidence provided this week that we should be avoiding the state of Georgia, but, uh, it's still on probation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, we're just, we're keeping an eye on, on Georgia in general. It's been cruel to us in the past, so. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the, the thing that I always try to do with these movies, and it kind of helps me unpack them because a lot of them. Uh, narratively are a little confusing, stylistically are a mess. Like these are uh, difficult movies to unpack in, in a certain way. So I always try to isolate what's the elevator pitch of the of a film, okay? And Mountain Devil might be the first movie that we've done where. I don't actually know what the elevator pitch is. So can can you try, Myros? Can you try and give me the elevator pitch for Mountain Devil?
1: Uh, I I suppose it's in a similar vein to to the uh, Ghost Hunter spends the night in a in an abandoned insane asylum. It's it's just like uh, the elevator pitch. I guess is, is if I'm talking to a studio head, I'm saying, oh, people really like this. Sasquatch reality show. Uh, That could be a movie. And uh, it can't. And also, do people actually like the Sasquatch reality show? I mean, it exists, but I I don't know if anyone is particularly fond of it. Any number of things exist on, like, fucking
0: animal planet these days. Yeah. uh, Okay. So, the thing that makes this so confusing is because... It's not a mockumentary because it's not like funny, ha-ha, in any kind of (laughs) way. It's not a documentary because it's not actively trying throughout its runtime to really tell any sort of coherent Bigfoot story. So it's shot like a straight documentary, but it's primarily just, you know, fiction, that they create, but also there's reenactments, and also there's like eight millimeter footage that I think is supposed to echo that original like Bigfoot eight millimeter footage, but it's, I, I it it's shot in a contemporary setting.
1: Well, and it's presented, it's presented in the film as real, but yeah, it's not. It, it's This not. is not not like if I when I finished watching this movie, I said. What the hell have I done? This is this is like a a shitty documentary. Like I I didn't even pick up that it was a faux documentary. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought that the eight millimeter footage at the end of the film, which shows a Sasquatch corpse, was obviously. I I immediately googled it. I'm like, okay, this is going to be like some sort of uh, debunked footage of uh, sure. a, a Sasquatch sighting or something. But it, it it's original to this film it's not even the documentary quote-unquote is not dealing with a famous bigfoot tale it, it's all complete bullshit i mean there might be elements of it with these like townspeople interviews that are prob i mean if they're scripted they're terribly scripted but they might be like oh this guy saw a sasquatch in the woods but
0: I yeah, well something. and that's that's where I run into issues. So we have we have stuff that's created as fiction to supplement the film and then you have reenactments of stories which may or may not be based on the real lived experience of these people and and the the problem that I run into is almost everyone in this movie if you go to the IMDb page they're all playing themselves. And some of these people like uh Stan Gordon is in this movie and he's like you know, your your run of the mill, uh, bargain basement UFO whatever crypto zoologist asshole. Sure. You know, he probably hangs out with Dan Aykroyd all day or something. And I <laughs> So this is like a real guy talking about Bigfoot stuff in like a a sincere way, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what's real and what's not real. And I don't think I've ever watched a documentary that that really just confuses me like this like if this was like if you were an actual like good filmmaker and you had a compelling subject like you could use a similar format to kind of you know fuck with people in the whole form of a documentary because people always say well you know a documentary it's just it's i like it cuz it's real it's truth but it's it's not you're you're telling a story and you may be using bits and pieces of, of real live experiences, but you know when you edit these things together, when you cut things out, when you choose things to focus on, you're, you're shifting that narrative around. And this takes that one step further by not only cutting in the reenactments and the footage of people who seem like they're you know sincerely talking about Bigfoot stuff, but then mixing that up scripted things and, and things that you've put in there simply to, to I guess try and make your movie more compelling I'm, I'm not sure so there's a nugget of something very very interesting in this film but it's also really poorly made. <laughs> so it is also it perhaps the
1: least interesting film I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, that that's the thing. That's the thing. It's just like there's a lot of really like high-level shit going on here that I think you've stumbled into accidentally or maybe intentionally in in a way to try and make your film more interesting, but it is the most boring movie. My god. There was just nothing to cling to here. And the way that it's filmed. That's, I don't that's know where we
1: got to go next, I think, right? Yeah, D- this like, movie... Is- talk about your puzzling things. Wow, how the fuck was this movie shot? It, it's fucking insane. Like, uh, uh, my best theory is that... Uh, and we, we had discussed that I thought there was... There's either three or four different uh, cameras used, I'd say. And, and totally different formats. Uh, mm. So the bulk of the film is either shot your your theory was that it is shot digital my theory is that it, i think this film's older than it's presented it's presented as a 2017 release date uh when i was doing a little light research on it i noticed it was posted on some paranormal uh like forum in like 2012 um so my theory is that it's probably like a consumer dv cam but either way it's just okay. like it's just like complete ass. It's either tape or shit digital. One of the two. That's the bulk sure. of the film. In a four-three aspect ratio. Except it's not <laughs> presented in a four-three aspect ratio because No, it's not. Because their dramatic reenactments, which is where they spent all of their I mean, they didn't have a real budget, but any budget they did have was used in these dramatic reenactments which are shot, I don't know, I couldn't theorize. They, they're they shot on something better, probably digital in this instance, but like mm-hmm. lit digital in widescreen. It is, It. I mean, it's not like it looks great, but it looks like a movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they blew their budget on that and decided on that as their aspect ratio, it would seem. Mm-hmm. Even though, again, the, this film must have been birthed out of the idea of this 8 millimeter footage. Like, mm-hmm. this had to be the genesis of the film. That, whoa, we're making this, like, hoax video thing. Uh, we can make this fake documentary around it. And 8 millimeter is not widescreen format, certainly. So, why they settled on 16 by 9 for the presentation of this is beyond me. Because... Oh, boy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like the film opens, and it, it appears as if they have literally put masking tape on on the camera to to achieve the aspect ratio they want because it is it doesn't go across the entire frame that that it's of course presented on Amazon in a four three block cropped down to a sixteen by nine block because that's something that all these fucking ass movies do, but so it's impossible to get like a full screen frame on a on a widescreen television anyway sure um unless you want to get into your settings and like zoom in to make the thing look even fucking worse
0: uh (laughs) i'm gonna recommend you don't do that but uh (laughs) i I thought about doing it for a bit but i was like no I, i need to watch this as it was given to me i can't I can't mess with it. I mean, maybe it's driving me insane.
1: Maybe it would be better because you wouldn't get that that corner where the light from the the frame is bleeding through the masking. It's like the first 15 minutes.
0: Yeah, it's so. And uh, this we ran into the same a similar problem. This is actually worse somehow, which I didn't think was possible. But we ran into a similar problem when we watched the movie Cracker Jacked, where it was black bars like left, right, top and bottom. Right. And this this is that. And then in addition to that you have extra black bars on the top and bottom for their like faux letterboxing whatever they're doing. And then it gets even weirder because aside from like the fact that it, it does it really looks like a piece of tape and there's like a strip of light leaking down because yeah the tape, how else the would this, tapes, I, I don't know how
1: else could that happen
0: I mean I don't know I
1: don't know tape no is clue. not a, a reasonable theory but it's the only thing I could come up with because how the fuck else would this happen how would you get I, this strip of light coming through
0: and all yeah and all I was thinking was maybe it was or three and they wanted to letterbox it for some reason so they took the digital file and then they tried to just like you know in adobe or or vegas or final cut or whatever they just tried to drop in a black bar but they did it wrong <laughs> but, I, I don't like it's hard to mess that up but yeah, they yeah and
1: you would think it would be uniform throughout the film which it's not i mean mm-hmm. sometimes that black bar serves its its insane purpose and sometimes it just doesn't it just stops and, before the end of the screen if you did that in a video editing program then you're some sort of fucking deranged master like i i i don't know how to use uh premiere pro especially well but i guarantee you i could take a four or three frame and drop uh black bars to cut the aspect ratio yeah it, you it, probably it's, it's,
0: could it's not it's not fucking rocket science <laughs> well it can i mean i don't know how it works in premiere pro but i know in vegas if you drop in four or three but you set the like the the project type as widescreen it'll just automatically do it for you so there's that. <laughs> I mean, but okay. So the best part, this is like the culmination of this stupidity. But so you've got the weird left, right, top, bottom black box. And then in a slightly different shade of black, you have their fake 16.9 letterboxing nonsense. So you have two sets of black bars. And then when they drop in the eight millimeter footage at the end, it's a different it's like a dark gray not quite black set of <laughs> black bars on the top and the bottom so you actually have like it's like a gradient it's like three layers of black bars on the top and bottom i i i've never seen anything like that. and more importantly if you put this on amazon and you, you went through the the trouble of closed captioning the damn thing wouldn't you be looking at this and just going like oh man this looks like ass i should probably re-upload it like why why would you leave this I don't understand.
1: Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know why they felt they needed a uniform aspect ratio when they weren't shooting in a uniform aspect ratio. Plenty of, of films shift aspect ratios. Uh, and they didn't take widescreen into account when they were filming any of these interviews either. Like, it, it, they're not framed up correctly. It, it's it, There's a lot of chopped off heads. It just none of it makes any sense. It's no, just baffling. It's, the choices are baffling. It's quite, quite baffling. And can we also state that if this sounds remotely interesting, keep in mind that 70% of the movie is people walking through the woods. Yeah. Doing nothing. Doing, just doing nothing. Walking Absolutely nothing. <laughs>
0: just walking. Yeah. Walking around. to go it. like,
1: oh, this tree here is bent. Oh, who gives a fuck,
0: man? <laughs> yeah. And then, like, or they'll be talking to, like, a Sasquatch researcher. It'll be like, yeah, I've heard some knocking before three times, and then I couldn't find a Sasquatch. Oh, great. Awesome. <laughs> I
1: I like that specious Sasquatch evidence anyway. Like, uh, these trees were bent, or, and someone knocked on a tree. Well, c- couldn't any number of animals, like, a, a fucking woodpecker or something be making this noise? Or...
0: That's that's correct. Yes, the answer is yes. a woodpecker. pack. <laughs>
1: or a bear or a deer bent this tree. It's just. I mean, I'm not gonna outright. I don't have a firm stance on the existence of Sasquatch, but could we come up with something better than I heard some knocking on um, wood in the middle of the night?
0: <laughs> they were doing the greatest hits, man, because they do the they do the Sasquatch call too. You know, the the call of the of the animal that no one's ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> that just that's our, my whoa, favorite thing. Whoa, whoa, it's like, yeah, I bet Sasquatch does that shit, man. Yeah, God.
1: why? What has led Bigfoot researchers uh, to believe that this sound is is something that a reclusive ape would respond to? I don't know. I, I don't no think idea. like gorillas are walking around going
0: like, oh. <laughs> That's not something I've I've noticed. <laughs> now there, I only got I actually only got one chuckle out of this whole movie. The rest of the time, I was like fighting off sleep. Uh, and that chuckle came from this guy that is interviewed and I think he's an actor and then there's like a reenactment of of his story but basically his story is that him and his friend found Bigfoot and they shot him and they killed him and then they buried him and then they're like oh why'd you you bury him he's just like nobody (laughs) needs to see that (laughs) It's like, I think everybody does. Like why would... It's like, oh, there's this too many women and children around these parts. They don't they don't need to see that that old Sasquatch corpse. <laughs> what? What does that mean? <laughs> this
1: there's, there's all this like men in black nonsense too at the Because 'Cause they're like, Hey, can you show us where he buried the Sasquatch? He's like, No. No, I I don't think so. Uh best to remain buried. And then like five minutes later in the movie, they're like, "And then the government came and stole the Sasquatch corpse, <laughs> sped it away." It's like, what, what, what the fuck as, are we as even talking As they about? often do. Yeah, to, it all it all comes together gloriously. This, yeah, well, this is like, all these
0: assholes think everything is like interrelated too. I mean, that's the one thing is I'm I'm glad that they instead of just scripting stuff, they actually went to some real, you know crypto zoologists, UFO, Sasquatch people, because they say things like, yeah, you know, Sasquatch sightings, they've been going up since the 1950s because, uh, you know, that's, the gray sightings have been going up too, so it all makes sense. <laughs> like, what? Those things are related now? Oh, and there's another thing. Okay, I lied. There's one other time where I laughed, like, really, really hard. And they're talking to some Sasquatch man, And he's like, yeah, man, I just I believe I believe they're out there and they're just reclusive and we're going to find them eventually. And then he says, you know, nobody even saw like a, a, a panda bear until the 1950s. And I'm like. What the fuck are you <laughs> even talking about? I don't about? think this is accurate. I, I didn't look it up, but I I think it's no. a lie. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I know for a fact that like in like ancient Chinese art, panda bears are fucking depicted. So we know that like people would see panda bears. But then I'm thinking like, okay, modern whatever, a little more contemporary. What what do we? When did we first really experience the the panda bear? And. The first time a Westerner saw one, or at least, like, wrote about it, it was in, like, the 1860s or something, so this guy was only, like, 100 years off. And then fucking, like, Teddy Roosevelt shot one in, like, 1920, so... Like... (laughs) There was one in the London Zoo in like 1915 or something. everybody has seen a fucking panda bear before 1950. It's just the fact that this guy said this, like, "Oh yeah, you know, uh, no one's seen a panda bear until 1950." Like, where do you even get that? Well, you, you, you know, can-
1: before global communication was possible, it was. Uh, of course, no one in America would fucking know what a panda bear is. Jesus Christ, that's not even. But, yeah, 1950s is an odd time. There's a reason people generally cite the coelacanth, which is a deep-sea creature.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just, oh, boy, these these people, these people. But, yeah, I, and that's pretty much the movie. It's, it's a bunch of assholes walking around in the woods and nothing happens. Um, and other than that, it's the same, like, rogues gallery of, uh, you know, Moronic scientists, scientists in heavy finger quotes saying incredibly dumb shit and self-identifying as, as UFO researchers. So, yeah, it's it's not good. I, it's not, I, not like, entertaining. It's just it's weird. It looks weird. I don't understand why it looks the way it does. I don't understand the, the like formally why the director made the choices that he did. There's a lot of mystery here. And there's so many interesting things going on. And yet somehow it manages to be one of the most dull things I've ever sat through. Yeah, so, I, I good wonder, job, Mountain Devil. I wonder why they didn't build it around like an actual fucking
1: Bigfoot sighting. Again, I, I'm assuming some of these people in the film... Have had actually documented Sasquatch sightings, but uh, instead they built it around this fictional Frank Peterson case, which uh, It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. I, I mean, I, I searched the guy, and you, yeah. ser- you search for him and Sasquatch sightings, and you know, all you gets this movie. It's it's not even like, well, it's not a famous case. It's just it doesn't exist. I don't know. I don't know why that choice was made. Yeah, Um, because
0: they're in, like, rural Pennsylvania. You could throw a rock in in any direction and hit an asshole that thinks they see Sasquatch.
1: Right. It's not hard. Another of the more baffling decisions for me is uh, the fact that they did these reenactments. And it it made sense to me if they were working on on pre-existing footage with this 8mm stuff. I'm like, okay, these actors... They don't – but the movie closes with the 8-millimeter footage, we should say. That's just like the last – it's the code of the film, like the last minute, two minutes of the movie probably.
0: Yeah. I'd uh, say about that, yeah.
1: Yeah, so we've had this reenactment peppered throughout the film, and then they sh- they close with this 8-millimeter footage, and considering the same people made both pieces of, of film uh, – I. Couldn't they have made like the slightest effort to cast actors who resemble the people they use in their eight millimeter footage? Like no. it, it's <laughs> this is jarring, and I, I I get the logistics that the people in the eight millimeter footage don't have to be actors because they're not fucking speaking. There's no audio on the film, and uh, but I mean the people in the reenactments certainly aren't fucking actors either i don't think they get a part in the community theater for pete's Six, and they just like one of them's got a beard one of them's bald and then in the eight millimeter footage they're just no no beards no balds i i it, it's all so perplexing to me
0: <laughs> yeah i i don't i don't get it i don't get it but hey that's mountain devil don't watch it <laughs> uh yeah probably not now, your movie—I I think you thought it was going to be conventional Sasquatch trash, but it turned out to be something much stranger, as these movies often do. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly shocked at what we end up with. You know, you, you think you think you're getting the same stuff, and you just—you yeah, sometimes yeah, they think, find new ways to be I, bad.
1: Yeah, I think the trailer was largely comprised of the the reenactment footage, and I mm-hmm. thought it was going to be. You know, ninety minutes of these two assholes sitting in a cabin and someone
0: banging on the door, and I'm like, "Well, that's going to be awful." <laughs> yeah, real squatchy situation. Yeah, <laughs> didn't turn out that way. But you know, the movie that I chose, I feel like when I think about the kind of movies that we watch for cost of content, what I'm what I'm not shocked, appalled, and surprised by what we end up seeing. This is sort of the the baseline, like average caustic content film you know it's it looks like shit none of the acting's all that great but it it, but it just barely functions a lot a lot of times we watch movies where uh, you know it's not like the wheels fall off it's like there are never any wheels to begin with and you're just rolling on the ground having a seizure and this next movie that we watched evan straw there's wheels (laughs) Maybe they're all flat tires, but there's wheels. Yeah, it's a movie, so and that's that's pretty much the best thing you can say about Evan Straw, which is another kind of snooze fest. But it's functional, Evan Straw. It's a movie, Myros. What's this one about? Uh,
1: it's it's a ghost movie. I mean, like th- this movie. Uh, speaking of community theater, I feel like this movie was made by a community theater group. Uh mm-hmm. and the script is is such that like it's it's not f- for this endeavor, it's oddly just like functional. Like if this yeah. having just done like the Dumpuary podcast, if this was like someone handed a Bloomhouse uh director this movie, well, I, it'd be fine. It'd come out in January and make a ten million dollars in the end. But instead, this community theater group is doing it for, like, $100. (laughs) -hmm. So it's just about a woman who moves into a house, and uh, the house is haunted.
0: It's kind of haunted in the dumbest way possible, but at least it's haunted.
1: Yeah, Um, it's haunted by
0: a tulpa, not a ghost. (laughs) No, totally different. And, oh, boy. So this one... You're right, it is very community theater-esque, and it it feels like, I think it takes place somewhere on the East Coast, but it feels like, I don't know, one of those communities in in Massachusetts or Delaware or something where uh, retirees live and it's just bed and breakfast everywhere and there's nothing much going on. Like, that's what it feels like. And everybody's old, which makes sense because everybody's old in this movie. Sure. So, it's... Yeah, I this woman just moves into a house and and God bless this film for not committing the cardinal sin of having, you know, big sets everywhere and a gazillion different people playing a gazillion different roles. The the it's a small community theater troupe involved here and also most of the film is confined to this one house. Thank God. So
1: And when it it's moved. not
0: confined to the house, they they do a great job of uh, establishing the
1: setting that uh, that was probably my favorite shitty filmmaking thing, is every time she, she went to this diner, like, twice in a five-minute span, and it it just had, like, a ten-second garish establishing <laughs> shot of the diner's, like, sign.
0: <laughs> it's like,
1: Bill's Crab Shack! I'm
0: like, okay. Yeah, yeah it, that, that was a little much. I mean, you know, I, I, at least commitment to doing establishing shots. Maybe a little overcommitted, maybe a little too overzealous, but... I was there, so good try. Uh, And then, yeah, so she moves into this house, and she has this there's this bizarre back and forth with the real estate guy where he's like, Yeah, it's haunted. And she's like, Oh, but is it haunted? Yeah, it's haunted. Well, when did they move out? 10 years ago. Oh, when did that happen? 10 years ago. Like, they just keep repeating themselves, but like 10 seconds after they have the conversation, it's really weird. But yeah, and there's, the- uh, the,
1: there's this whole thing about the doctor who had dementia. It, it, you think that's, like, a major plot point. Like, oh, he's, he's into
0: the occult. He summoned this demon into the house. No. No,
1: no, no. No, he just had dementia, and he built a sauna in the basement.
0: <laughs> yeah, which, you know, that's the standard old-person thing to do. <laughs> but they, they think that the the ghost is this Evan Straw character. It's the It's the Straw House, the Evan Straw House. And then that's kind of the the line that they follow for a while, and you know the standard thing, where you got a psychic lady comes in, and then there's a there's another guy too, another paranormal investigator guy who looks like he looks exactly like Peter Sellers in *Strangelove*, except in like a a shitty like Walmart fucking mock turtleneck, and he's got like man boobs. This is Peter the, Sellers with this moves. This is the,
1: the director, by the way. Yes.
0: The, 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 Peter Sellers with moves is the director. Yeah, the blonde yes. guy. Yep. <laughs> with the little sunglasses. That's fun. Okay. Well, he's he's entertaining, I suppose. But then they then they're like, "Oh, it's not Evan Straw, maybe it's the lady who bought the house, maybe it's her dead husband." And then they're like, "No, its name isn't even Evan Straw." And this is the part that I really liked. <laughs> it's actual Evan <laughs> Strawberry. Uh, ah! uh, Steve, <laughs> it's Ethan Strawberry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well and the whole point they're trying to make is like oh sometimes over the course of time it's like a game of telephone and facts get you know mixed up and these stories change and yada yada it's like okay but couldn't we go with a name that's not (laughs) ethan strawberry that sounds like a my little pony character i can't i can't buy into that as something
1: just make his name like strong or something
0: strawberry that's not a person's name (laughs) ethan strong that sounds much better so we would just workshop this script into something more functional but yeah As i said that that was i was like again i was just like my eyes were getting heavy and then as soon as i got to the ethan strawberry i cracked up. I didn't stop laughing yeah the th- the
1: third act has some issues I-, I will say that but with the ethan strawberry and the uh the way they handled the tulpa it for some reason, becomes an orb. In the,
0: Wait, the what, what is a tulpa? Explain what a tulpa is to the audience. Uh, the movie does a fine job of this.
1: So a tulpa, you'd probably be familiar... Like, it's been featured on stuff like the X-Files over the years. It's basically... It's a psychic manifestation into physical reality. So the... Evan Straw is, in fact, not a ghost, because Evan Straw never existed. Ethan Strawberry was the the builder of the house. So Evan Uh Straw is the psychic manifestation of the town's belief in the haunting. So because a large enough group of people believed it to be true, it it manifests as an actual entity.
0: That's what happens. That's why bad vibes are bad, man. (laughs) Might create a tulpa.
1: You could create a tulpa. No
0: no bad vibes
1: here on this podcast. And it could, could, you know, haunt your sauna or something. I don't know. Really criminally underused spooky sauna, if you ask me. And why are they selling that sauna as built 10 years ago? That was not built 10 years ago. The sauna appears to be about uh, 100 years old, and the door is, like, crusted shut. If it was built 10 years ago, then the charming handyman who put it had installed in in the house should probably be fired for incompetence because it's yeah it's not a functional 10 year old sauna
0: no it's it's absolutely not
1: yeah, the but door doesn't I mean, even open
0: no it's it's kind of a piece of shit I gotta be honest uh, and the house doesn't look that old either it looks like it was not built hundreds of years ago or whatever they said it just kind of looks pretty contemporary I <laughs> I can't speak uh, to the age of the house. I there's can't... a there's a great there's a great seance scene though towards the end, and that's uh, it's the best I've seen since Insidious. Uh, no gas masks, unfortunately. Oh, no, no gas mask on the seance leader, unfortunately. But uh, there's some CGI orb action and shadow men, and it's it sure is something. So yeah, the tulpa becomes an
1: orb that is permanently like in their in her front yard and she builds an urn over top of it. I don't even know if it's an orb. It's like a portal to another dimension or something. It, yeah, it's I kind I of an insane it. choice considering you don't have the money for effects. Couldn't you just made it fucking go away? <laughs> now Can't do that. Absolutely not. Uh, but I yeah, kind of found this movie's it's... like shitbag effects budget to be oddly like Effective. I don't know. There's this yeah. moment where she's like, goes to sleep. It's like, girl, good night, Evan. I'm going to sleep. And then this, like, stupid fucking, like, CGI, like, ghost head just, like, flies at the screen out of nowhere, and it's just like, what the fuck? Spooky! It kind of almost worked. It almost made me jump, because I'm like, what the fuck is going on?
0: (laughs) That's what happens, you know? Your effects get... It's a horseshoe. Your effect gets so bad that it comes back around and is good again. Yeah, and it wasn't a
1: set-up jump scare, so it just kind of, like, came out of the blue, and I was like, ah! Yeah, I...
0: I don't know, man. It's, yeah. I, uh,
1: it's. I I will say that this movie is really basic, mm-hmm. and that kind of works for it and against it. It's better for not being convoluted, but it does drag, certainly, in parts. But it, it also has a certain level of charm to it, and especially, I think, that a lot of that's carried by the cast, which, yeah. sure, they're community theater-level actors, but they're they're community theater level actors, which is much better than what we encounter a lot of times. (laughs) Like, sure. Just a lot of like the main, the lead actress is, is perfectly serviceable in the role. And, and a lot of Mm -hmm. these side characters, the handyman with his waxed mustache is pretty fun. And, and the director with his stupid, strange love thing is, is pretty fun. And, uh, the, uh, the aunt, the aunt, who is her only friend, it seems, is is also yeah. a pretty charming little character. I mean, yeah. they start to stretch the bounds when they head to the library, but
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this is this is like this is a good body stretch, but you know, it, it's really it's a it's a game of inches here on cost of content, and this is. <laughs> Sometimes it's a half star movie against a one star movie. It probably
1: doesn't help the Ethan Strawberry uh, reveal that it was also delivered by by far the worst actor in the film, who's like a, a probably a 90 year old woman who's just like, ah, it says here in the records, strawberry. I'm like, God, could yeah. we just. Why don't you have like the other librarian read this line out? It it felt like a, a coven situation or something. <laughs> was this old woman financing your
0: film? <laughs> that's possible. It's possible. Right, yeah, I yeah. This one was again. It was. It's mostly it's dull, but it's it's it has a little charm. Everybody tried really hard. Yeah, you know? it just and, looks and That's fun. good for them.
1: It it just looks looks terrible. Like, yeah, it it's
0: terrible. It, it looks it looks real terrible. bad. It's, it's your like <laughs> typical, like hyper compressed early digital or, or maybe possibly uh, mini DV tape. Hard to tell, but doesn't look good. Not well lit, not well shot. But I mean, again, it's like, well, it's the aspect ratios, right? T- yeah, the sound is masking tape on the. Frame. Yeah, there's no masking tape. The sound is bad, but you can hear what people are saying. Uh, the editing isn't anything to write home about, but it's functional. <laughs> like <laughs> this, it works. This is a movie that it it sure does work <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it's a movie it sure is a movie but we have to I mean you have to make that distinction because a lot of the things we watch we're like oh boy this is like pushing the boundaries of what a movie even can be <laughs> so yeah that's that's where we're at that's where we're at but yeah Evan Straw uh, kind of a snoozer but it, it, it exists so really and and that's that's the battle that we're we're up against here we have two movies that are kind of boring one Plods along and barely functions, the other does not function, somehow plods more, is more inept, but also has this weird nugget of accidental, like, avant-garde filmmaking (laughs) buried deep within it that makes it more interesting to think about and talk about. So uh, that's that's really the battle that we, we're having right now. So there Miro's, is no battle. Here. What are you kidding? I, yeah, it's like saying Da Code
1: made me think about it a lot. Sure it did. I still fucking gave you the win because it's a fucking pile of steaming death.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we got we to gotta play up the competition here. That's why people tune in, you know? I, you're right. I mean, this is – I wouldn't put it in the same realm as Depinci Code because Da Code is – that was – an assault on the senses it's not it's not as bad as to but it's almost equally fascinating in a what the fuck happened during this production sort of way yeah oh absolutely absolutely so I, i think i know where your vote is going mountain devil i'm gonna have to side with you on this one and go mountain devil do you know what our score is at this point i think that brings us back to even even all right neck and neck baby that's good that's good well, shit, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all there is to it on that. I, you, you definitely you pulled out a victory here. Um, I, I thought by the Evan Straw trailer, I thought I was going to have a, a, a good win. But now I know for our next episode, I need to pull out the big guns. That's all there is to it. So Myros, next episode, you will be watching a little film called "The Park."
1: The and park. let me tell you
0: about the park, Myros. You've heard of Boys in the Hood. Now it's time for Boys in the Park. That's that's like the tagline. <laughs> uh, I'm
1: I'm guessing it'll be equally affecting.
0: Yeah, I I'm sure it'll be great. Uh there's a trailer for it. It's incoherent. You can watch that if you want. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it. I don't even think it's on IMDb. Um no, it on is. M- it's on IMDb. I, I found it on IMDb
1: here. Okay, uh, uh, so I, I, <laughs> it's not easy to find on IMDb, <laughs> that's for sure. Right. It's uh, it's got a very uh, disconcerting cover that makes me think that we might be having a bad episode.
0: <laughs> this, one went, uh, this one bad for you or bad for who? <laughs> well, you've got to watch it as well. <laughs> That's true. But it's worth it for the victory. Um, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I I am uh I'm dreading this one a little, but I think I might have something to counter it. It's probably a little less ambitious than uh, Boys in the Park. <laughs> but uh, I'm bringing. I, I I tried real hard to get back to my my wheelhouse with the movie that only takes place in a single room and bores the shit out of you with Mountain Devil, but I I it, it led me astray. I I found something totally unexpected. But this movie, I'm confident, this is a one room special, and it's gonna be fucking boring as sin. It's called The Last Apartment. Uh, it's Ooh. just it, it doesn't have much of a plot. It's just you know your standard. It's probably got the same plot as Evan Straw executed much worse, frankly. It's just like, uh, (laughs) I rented an apartment and it's haunted. Ooh, Ooh,
0: That's pretty spooky. We'll we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, Yeah, so really, uh, (laughs) I'm glad we're both pulling out the big guns here. I, I am confident because when we went through this, the park is one where I'm like, man, I, I got to save this for when I I really need a win, and I and I feel like this is that time. I had a lot of confidence that Evan Straw didn't pan out. I am convinced there's no way the park can be even remotely okay. Uh, I've been wrong before, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, I don't know. I I was I've been eyeing this Larry Rosen fellow who
1: directed uh, the last Department for quite a while. He's got a lot a lot of shit on Amazon Prime, so. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm hoping I, I think we are going to have a terrible fucking week. That's
0: good. Love that. That's what I like to hear, because that's what we're all about here on Cost of Content uh, is hurting each other. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Myros, uh, I know people can't find you on the Internet, but if you want to find Optimism Vaccine on the Internet, you can email us at OptimismVaccine at gmail.com. Maybe you have a suggestion. For a cost of content film, we would love to hear your suggestion. Uh, Myros' list in particular is getting a little thin at this point, so he could use a little bit of help. Yeah. Especially after next week when I bludgeon him to death with my film. Now, if you want to reach us on Twitter, at Optimism Vaccine on Twitter, again, drop us some recommendations, suggestions, whatever you want to do. And if you want to reach me on Twitter, that's at Steve Cuff. That's at Steve C-U-F-F. And I will be there waiting for you at your beck and call. So that, that pretty much wraps things up for this week. And, uh, Myros, how pumped are you to meet those boys in the park? I think it's going to be a great time. Great time. All right. We'll see you next episode.